Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. I'll be hosting this episode. I'm a software developer and tech leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Web3 and virtual reality are my current time suck, and I am passionate about technology and entrepreneurship. As the founder and CTO of New Idea Machine, giving back to the community is important to me. I am always available to offer advice on technology and business. Join me as I speak with Rainforest Elder Gary Ellis about placing experiences ahead of things and the experience economy. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, my special guest is Gary Ellis. Gary is a Rainforest Elder, and he's been part of the innovation ecosystem in Alberta for a very long time. Gary, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Al. Glad to be here. Uh, Gary, why don't we start and talk about kind of where you came from because, you know, it's, we're obviously going to talk about what you're doing today, but how did you get here? Right, right, right. Well, my early days in technology goes back to Vancouver. I was one of the very early folks who participated with EA when they came up to Canada, Vancouver. In the early 90s, they actually merged with a firm that I was involved with called Distinctive Software. And of course, spinning out of that was BioWare up in Edmonton. So we have a a long history of EA, but that was like almost 30 years ago. Wow. Wow. So how did you get there like growing up and, and what kind of schooling did you take and how did you fall right. into working with EA? Yeah, you know what? It would probably be a very unusual path. It's really about collisions, as we all know. And in my case, I had no formal background in tech. I was not a you know computer science guy. I was a, a business student, an MBA. But I managed to kind of hang out with the geeks and Back in the 90s in Vancouver, gaming was a thing, and I kind of hung out with them, and, you know, lo and behold, you know, you, you meet some people, and we heard about EA. I, I'm a big sports guy, and when they came down, their first foray into Canada was to put EA Sports here. So, it was a natural connection for me. I had a real interest, and they grabbed a hold of me. Oh, cool. And what did you do with EA? Yeah, strictly. So, that's where my business background came in handy. So, I did market development for them. So. Their idea at the time was to try new sports games like uh, NFL Madden was one of them and some of the NFL, NHL products. And they wanted to test the market in Canada first before they really uh, developed the games fully and took them elsewhere. We also had a lot of developers of the time through gaming in Vancouver, so they had a natural labor market. So my role was to really get the games uh, developed in, in Vancouver Burnaby and then get them out into test mode in within Canada. Cool. And then what was sort of the catalyst that got you over here to Calgary and how long have you been here? Yeah, so I'm originally in Alberta. I was born and raised in Edmonton. However, I'm a true Calgarian now. So I came back family reasons and I would say family reasons. When I came back, there was literally wasn't much of a tech sector here. So I went back into into my marketing mode. Oh, okay. So you were working in, in marketing and like the pure kind yeah, of marketing the, stuff? Yeah, the, the pure marketing stuff, right. So, in fact, one of Creative Intelligence was the firm, and we were the very first marketing agency for WestJet. And they came out, we were their launch agency. So, we helped them with branding, marketing, uh, lots of stuff. So, yes, 
very exciting times. Oh, wow. That's really, really cool. And then I guess the natural flow from there, I mean, you, you've been part of the rainforest since near the beginning, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I uh, just a fun fact, social contract number three. <laughs> so, I was at the very first rainforest summit at the Banff Center back in 20, September 2016. And, yeah, I found my way with just people that I knew in the industry. And then I heard uh, that some of the leaders in our ecosystem were bringing rainforest to, to Calgary and to Alberta. And I was invited to go to the first summit. And I went and, and have been a part of it ever since. That's cool. We've talked on the show a few times before because we talked with Brad Zumble and we yeah. talked with Jim Gibbs. And yeah. Can you tell us from someone who was invited to that summit, can you tell us what it was like and what it was all about? Right. So it was off the book. I think most people know that now. But what was interesting for us was it was really a conversation, roundtable discussions about kind of our current place in the ecosystem, where we are vis-a-vis -vis others. We used the, obviously, the book as a guideline. We had I believe we had somebody from the Rainforest Group uh, facilitate those two days, I believe. Uh, so that was interesting. And I think the big thing for me was the scorecard. Uh, you know, measuring is a big, big deal. And for us, it was really to gauge where we were at, you know, when we self-assessed where we were. And it gave, kind of gave us a little, a little starting point for where to grow from there. So I think it's been a very valuable asset to have and i know we do it every year every i think we do it every year yeah, right? yeah. Uh, for every summit twice anyway, a year sure. was i can't remember if it was twice a year or every right, year but right. it, it happens in, in, in a cadence of some sort right and then actually the other interesting thing about that was uh so the social contract was part of that first summit and that was where the first original 10 principles were discussed and put together and they basically have stayed the same since it may have been one or two that have swapped out but Generally, they stayed stayed put. So, uh, yeah, kudos to that group. Yeah, no kidding. Was the the cadence of the regular lunch without lunches on Wednesday? Did that happen right back then too, or would yeah, it was it was pretty early. I'll, I don't remember. I remember after the summit, we kept meeting at Assembly, which was uh, Brad's co work space, and we met every week. It was kind of a, a thing, and I'm not sure where the term lunch without lunch, but we actually did come with lunch. Brown bag lunch. Um, we brought our own lunches back in those days, and and just and that that's kind of faded over time. But literally, we just got a whoever showed up showed up. Sometimes we'd have large, fairly large groups, and sometimes we wouldn't. But the format started then, and and we were usually led by a couple of folks. Peter was always one of the early leaders of the actual lunch without lunch stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. So having been to so many uh, rainforest lunch without lunches over the years, how do you think, I don't want to say how do you think it changed, what sort of things have you seen at lunch without lunch events over the years right. that you thought were like really, really solid? Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing is it was a opportunity for everyone to meet. I mean, up until the rainforest group kind of put themselves, our ecosystem was pretty fractured. We were all over the place and maybe in little pockets and it gave us a reason to connect with one another. But I think a lot of people came just to kind of do the networking part, mm -hmm. which I still think to this day is probably the best part. You always come early and a little bit later, you meet some new people. And back in those days, we had the regulars. And I think over time, we saw some of those kind of not quite participate as much, but then you know, you look at the numbers and all the new faces and you go, wow, this has really grown. There's people here who um, would have never seen five, six years ago, but are in our ecosystem and are just, just cranking it. So 
I think Rainforest was a great impetus to getting our, our local ecosystem together and staying together and really proliferating. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so what sort of carried you past the that marketing company and what did you lead into next? Yeah. Well, you know, I've always been kind of a tech geek in terms of being on the, you know, at least being aware of what's going on. And back in, you know, seven, eight years ago, well, probably even a little bit further than that, we saw some emerging technologies. AI was kind of emerging, blockchain, AR, VR, which has been around for a while, was starting to get another lift of, you know, 3D printing. I mean, there was just 5G. There was just a ton of technologies that were kind of merging, not merging, but they were coming together all at the same time. And you just knew, you just knew that this was going to be the way the world was going to work. And if you wanted to be in on it, or you wanted to get fascinated by all those advancements, you wanted to participate, you, you had to be in there, you know? So I kind of, leaped in. And I remember when the rainforest first started, that was a real opportunity to really, you know, rub shoulders with people doing other things in the tech space. And well, it's gone from there. That's cool. Okay. So, so now these days, as you approach um, some sort of retirement, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you try? Well, first of all, let's talk about um, where you see the Calgary ecosystem going. Right. And then let's talk a little bit about uh, what you're up to these days. Sure. So look, when even when Rainforest started seven or eight years ago now, seven years ago, we were really pretty small as a tech ecosystem. Obviously, we had some companies, we had some pockets of success, but we really weren't known as a tech center, a tech city. But the technologies were right around us. They were coming. Vancouver, Toronto, I mean, Silicon Valley, of course. And so I think it was just kind of, you know, you know, it was coming. And I think the other thing that Calgary brought to the party was we're an entrepreneurial city. I mean, it just vibes here differently than other places. And so that combination of, you know, advanced technologies that were reaching the masses and our entrepreneurial spirit really gave Calgary an opportunity. But we were behind. Literally, we're, we're not a huge city compared to places like Toronto and Vancouver, Montreal, even real gaming city. Obviously, the Silicon Valley was, was huge. But we started, we're starting to gain some ground, right? We are starting to make a difference. Even here, we're doing this podcast at Platform, which, by the way, was an idea that came out of Rainforest. In the very first summit, kudos to, to Evan Hugh and Brad, a few others who really wanted this building to be part of our ecosystem and made it happen. So all those things add to our ability to become a real tech player, and I think we are. That's I think cool. we're getting there. That's cool. What over the years, besides the obvious, which is rainforest lunch for that lunch, yeah. well, rainforest in general and platform, what other what other things have you seen along the way that yeah. you just you just sit back and go that that worked? Yeah, you, well, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll give you one quick story that I think everybody would know. And it's Benevity. I mean, I know Benevity even came from folks who I stock photo. I know Brian Delottenville and and even our players on Pat Lore and all those folks came from that. Brad came from that group. And so when you see some successes come out of the gates early, like a number of years ago, it gives you a thought that you know, anyone can do it. We can do these things. And so it combined our entrepreneurial skills with, with some tech stuff. And so now we're seeing more and more and more startups. And I think that started because we had a few really good success stories. Oh, that's good. That's good. Is there anything that you think that has been holding us back, even though there's an engine trying to move us forward? Yeah, you know, without being critical, because I think we've, Alberta's been very fortunate over 
the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years with oil and gas, we have been an oil and gas city. And as a result, that's been a lot of focus in terms of talent going into that industry, in terms of maybe some of the capital and things that would go naturally there. So tech wasn't kind of a player. And I think now as, as the world's evolving, we're starting to see that shift. So I think that kind of held us back. We just didn't have, we were one industry province. And as a result, diversification, a word we've used in this province for 40 years, finally starting to come together. So it's just taken a while. It's just kind of our way. Right. And I think we're a little more risk adverse than maybe some other places. And so those factors alone are going to keep us a little bit, at least back in those days, a little, little behind. Right, yeah. right. So what are you up to these days, Gary? You tend to have yourself in a lot of different pockets. I mean, I saw you at the, uh, what was it, the the Calgary, the one we, I saw you at, yeah. at by COP there. Right, that was Active City. Active Collective. City, and you're part of Learning City as well. Right. Yep. Are you not? yep. Yeah, you know, I think it's all part of the same, you know, making Calgary a great city. And so part of it is learning, part of it is the experience economy, which I've really jumped on as something I'm doing now, but really, really foreshadows that is I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, I see opportunities everywhere and I just love to either ideate them, conceive them, work with others who've got, you know, ideas. So I'm constantly uh, playing in this space or being interested in this space. One of the things that I do see missing that I think we could, you know, can really help us out as a, as a larger ecosystem is what can we do to retain, attract talent and successful companies? And and so, you know, we've heard uh, many times over the years where Calgary's always ranked as one of the top livable cities in the world. And, you know, we have a great cost of living. Our taxes are, are great. We have the mountains close by. We have lots of things going for us, particularly when you compare them to places like Toronto and Vancouver, where it's very expensive and unaffordable. So I think we're great, but got, got an advantage there. And I think the second piece of this puzzle is opportunities. And this is where I see the tech sector playing like, what's the future going to look like? What's the kind of talent and skills that do we need within a city to flourish as a city? And so I think all the programs we're seeing from Inception U and, and all the post-secondaries and, and places like Platform and CED and all the players here have really rallied to support the, the tech ecosystem. And so those opportunities are coming. We're seeing more and more and more startups, more and more successful growth stage companies. And so if you have opportunities and you've got a livable city, people will stay and people will come. Uh, what's missing, though, is what I call lifestyle. And look, there's other cities who are livable. There are other cities that, you know, have maybe even further ahead in terms of their tech ecosystem, in terms of opportunities. And that's why people are going there. But if we can bring something magical to Calgary, uh, and I think it's experiences. And there's been lots and lots of literature over the last number of years, for sure, that people, particularly the younger generations, want experiences over things. And if that's what they want, that's the places they will go and stay at. So I think we have all three pieces going. We're a livable city. We have a great experiential city. And we have opportunities that are coming and growing. I think we can be a, an amazing city. So that's all kind of the the kind of the foundational pieces for what I get involved in. Right, right. I want to unpack that experiential sure. stuff a little bit further. Yep. And so, you know, there are there is definitely a lot of materials out there and studies that have shown that, you know, let's face it, when you when you roll up to your grave and <laughs> and drop in there, right. 
you can't take anything with you. Right. Right. But anyone who's been a parent knows that mm. the it's it's those experiences, it's yeah. those family road trips yeah. and things that you do together that that really mean something, yeah. right? When somebody builds their life story, their autobiography or whatever, they're not talking about all the things they bought. They're right. talking about all yep. the places they've been and all yep. the experiences they've had through life. Yep. So that's that's really, really important. Mm. And it's it's cool that you've latched onto that and you see that. Right. If I remember correctly, you have some sort of a designation as a as an right. instructor of of this kind of thing. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So the experience economy is, I would say, as a term, was is about twenty five years old. It was coined by the gentleman of Joe Pine, and, and his partner did a Harvard Harvard Business Review article back in the mid to late nineties, and then generated a book from that about the experience economy. And I just found it fascinating. I think it was 1999. Found it a fascinating read. And I said, yeah, you know what? I, I get it. And, uh, and so I stayed in touch with them. And just over the years, just kind of followed what was going on, how it was evolving, how it was actually making progress. Airbnb and all these things are all experiential companies. Uh, and then back in 2019, just before COVID, Active City Collective had a summit at Windsport. And, the whole premise there was was held, lots of people were there, uh, was about how to keep Calgary active. How can we keep everybody, you know, busier and more mobile and all that kind of stuff? And then COVID hit. And so we took everything online as a follow-up to that summit. And one of the things we did in the spring of 2020, again, under lockdown, was a hackathon on the experience economy. And at the time, we divided the experience economy into what we call four natural sectors. Hospitality and tourism being one, retail being two, arts and culture being three, and retail being four. And we did a hackathon. We had post-secondary students. We had subject matter experts. We had all the, the four various sector people who are in the industry kind of work together and create some ideas around things that we could, we could experiment with. And because of my involvement with the experience economy, forefathers, they kind of looked over to me and said, what do we do next? Where do we go from here? And so based on that, we decided to create the Experience Economy Innovation Hub, which is a vehicle to have regular hackathons so that we can keep the idea chest going and then work with existing operators in the experience economy to keep them innovative, keep their mindset that things always got to be, you know, kind of improving or, or becoming more experiential because that's what the market wants. And yes, so Joe Pine and his partner Jim, his name escapes me for the moment, created a certification program. So they have a one-week program based on the book uh, that one could take to, you know, get certified. And it really is just a a knowledge-based program to understand the principles of the experience economy. And so I'm bringing all that here to Calgary and to Alberta so that we can have others in our province who would have that kind of training, if you want to call it, and then get out in the field and do it, right? So that's what makes our, our city and our province an experiential place and by having people who know the, the kind of the, the foundational level of what a true experience economy looks like. Well, that's really exciting. If, uh, if somebody, like if those words resonate with somebody, are, is there, um, uh, is there a, a plan to put together a class or something? Yeah, there is. So, so we 
Uh, we're opening the Experience Economy Innovation Hub in September. So we're going to be at the, this space with Accelerate U in the Living Learning City Lab Hub in September. And so we're going to actually host uh, both the Ideation uh, Lab and the center there in terms of programming. And we think by early spring, we'll have enough kind of exposure, enough kind of understanding of, of early events to put together a, um, a group that would be interested to get certified. So we have, a, we, have a, we have that already in place. It's just a matter of when and how many were. Original thought was we'd like to have somebody from each part of the province, at least, uh, go through that so that we make this provincial-wide. Uh, but certainly within Calgary, I know there'll be people interested and we'll just have to be you know, careful about making sure that we've got, we've got a good start. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's super exciting. Um, with regards to the the experience economy in general, can you give some sort of uh, examples that people can kind of sure. latch on to kind of understand a little bit better about what that might mean? Yeah. So, so I mean, if people think of, you know, we use that word numerous ways. A lot of times we'll go to, let's say, in a concert and say, that was a great experience. But what we're talking about here is really intentionally designed experiences to create emotions, to create memories, particularly, that go beyond. So I always ask this question, what did you do for vacation 10 years ago? And most people don't really remember. So what we're trying to create are these experiences that you do remember. That's why we call them remarkable experiences. I think when most people think of that kind of experiential thing, they think of things like Disney and maybe Airbnb being an accommodation experience, something that they're going to do that generates uh, some customization of something more intrinsic than just something to do. Uh, so much more customized, much more personalized, much more impactful personally. Certainly um, a different kind of vibe when you, when you finished it rather than just something you did. So one level higher than just participating. And I think that's kind of what you were saying earlier is what people are craving and wanting right now. And certainly not to single out too many generations here, but the Gen Zs get it for sure. That's what they're all about. Millennials, I would say, as well. And I guess most active people in all the other demographics, that's what they want to. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. This is billions of dollars every year of people doing what I call intentional experiences are out there. And so what we're just trying to do is creating a, you know, a concentration of those within Calgary so that, you know, literally you, there's always something at that level that you can do in the city. That's awesome. So if you if you think a little bit out towards the future yeah. and you figure out you've got all the pieces in place and yeah. things are looking good, where what do you think Calgary looks like in in another say five years? Sure. So look, the best way to describe it is maybe a comparative, and this won't be a direct comparative, but it'll be well. Okay, let me let me start. I think it's all about a vibe. And if you ever went to places like New York or even Vancouver down, you know. Davy Street or Burrard or one of those, you just see the energy. The people are just out there. They're just doing their thing. And, and I think we're social animals, right? We want to be part of this vibe. And, and right now, let's face it, we, we probably don't have it. COVID's probably throwing a real wrench into that. But that's what it's going to feel like. So I think you're going to see more and more places offering experiences that we don't see already, which is, you know, an example might be retail. You might be, instead of browsing a store looking for nothing, just kind of you're actually going to go and, and there'll be some really cool tech. There'll be some really interesting things going on in that store that makes you say, wow, that was an interesting little trip into that store. 
whether you bought something or not. And it's that kind of stuff that people say, hmm, I'm going to go downtown now because I'm going to get a, a whole bunch of these tonight. And they can come home and say, that was a fun night and got something out of that. And I think that's what everybody wants or a lot of people want. And I just think that that's what will make us look different in the future. Right. Yeah. So I guess in, in Calgary right now and probably for a while now, the, the Calgary Stampede which yep. is probably kin to what you're referring to. It's the, the vibe on Stephen Avenue and the yeah. big event going on, but then it just goes away. Yeah, and that, it's back that, to well, normal. That's life. the difference. So that's why we've got the hub. So instead of, and this is what I always explain in, in the program does this, the difference between experiences and events. So the Stampede, as much as people say that was a great experience, it's really a 10-day event. Mm. And so it's going to come, it's going to go. We're talking about experiences is maybe even, let's an example, maybe it's a store that has some kind of VR presentation in the store. So it's there every day and it can change its content every day. So every day you're going to go, it's a different experience, but it's an experience. And if you have those throughout the city, you're always going to have that opportunity to experience something as opposed to just 10 days of the year. Right, right, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really, I think it probably feels a little bit like common sense, but it's just not something people think about, right? No, like, they don't. to your point, I'm thinking about, oh, the vacation to Maui or something. Right. That's, that's an experience, but it's actually the things that happen in Maui when that's you're right. there that are actually right. the experiences, right? Yeah, let me jump on that because that's actually a really, really good example. So you're right. People say, we went to Maui. But you know what? If they tell them what was important to them, they'll say some obscure, interesting thing that happened during that trip. And it might be just something, it's not this fancy beach or this fancy resort or something that's obvious. It's, it's maybe bumping into a local who's showed you how to make a pancake Hawaiian style. I mean, you, you just don't know. And in fact, I think that's what you'll find is some of these, and I referred earlier to intentional experiences, you're actually going to go to actually find those kind of experiences. So you'll be doing things differently. An example would be instead of just going to Hawaii and hanging out at the beach, university things, you're actually going to maybe learn the uh, local language or something or learn a cooking you know, dish from that area. Things that you're going to experience and, and something that you're going to keep with you and a memory, you're going to meet some people you would have never met before, establish those long-term relationships. I mean, it just goes on and on and on when you're exposed to that kind of experience. Yeah. yeah. You can't get that if you just go and sit on the, on the beach and no. sit in your no. hotel room. It's kind of a way of thinking too, because it's not so much you're going to, let's, we'll use Maui as a continuing example, but yeah. it's like, okay, we're going to go to Maui. So we're going to book this scuba diving thing. Right. We're going to book this luau and right. we're going to book this other thing. Right. It's not so much that, but it's actually seeking out Unique experiences right. while you're there. And yeah, and actually that is one, yeah, I probably didn't mention that, but that is a key feature. If you can design unique experiences, so much the more attractive they are. And sometimes, you know, you'll stumble on them. Like uh, you, that Maui, maybe, maybe it is a luau, but you know what? It's somebody you run into there or something happened during the luau that was interesting. Something. And that becomes the kind of the kernel that, that you take home with you as a living memory that will stay forever because... It was so cool. It was so interesting, whatever, rather than kind of the obvious stuff. I mean, you know, how many pillows in your bedroom isn't really, in a hotel room isn't really compelling, but other things are. And, and the more that you, you set those up like that, the more likely you'll have an amazing experience. Right. I've heard people uh, who've gone on rather 
expensive cruises and stuff <laughs> like that. A lot of the experiences you hear them talk about are when they first walked into the hotel mm. room and they saw on their bed, right. they had rolled the, the, a cloth into, maybe it's the towels or sure. something. They rolled them into little animals and stuff and right. they're sitting on the Fantastic. beds and stuff. So that's sort of like stepping up above it is. having a nice room, but having that. You, you nailed it, Al. That's exactly it. So when we talk about experiences that are offered now, this is elevating them to that level. And you can actually take it even another level where it's personalized. You know a little bit about this person. They like maybe it's a certain kind of chocolate or wine. And, you know, it's sitting there when you get there and they're going to go, wow, they thought about me, right? And this is for me, not just a customer or a... So, and then, yeah, anything unique, anything local that's different, that was obviously done with some intention, like the, the thing you're mentioning on the bed there would be something they would remember. So of all their memories of that holiday, that may be one or two of the nuggets that they will always remember. So it's actually designing those things mm -hmm. is really how this happens as opposed to just, you know, showing up. Great. That's fantastic. So what's next for Gary? Yeah, so a couple things. So on the, I think I've shared the Experience Economy Innovation Hub is more of an ecosystem play for for everybody in our city and our province to to really make our city notch above where it is today. But an entrepreneurial guy. And so I've always got things going on. So not so beyond ideas, there are things that I think would be that fit into the experience economy uh, that would kind of kickstart it maybe or at least provide a vehicle for people to oh that's what it is. So I have have a play in mind. We're not sure we're exactly going to call it yet, but it's around putting together experiences. It's around putting the technology into place so those become, you know, very easy to access and fun to do. And I guess probably more importantly is that, you know, it has an opportunity to be successful on its own. So looking forward to that, starting that process already. So we'll... Uh, we're, we're underway. Excellent. Well, Gary, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with me today. It's, it's probably been way overdue to have you <laughs> on the Leader, the Rainforest podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks, Al. It's been great. Excellent. Tune in next week for the next episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. Take care, everyone. Cheers. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored, hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.